morning, Free Methodist Church. Today we will be in Isaiah 40, 18 to 31. This is a group sermon, so there will be four of us preaching this passage. On behalf of the youth group, we are very thankful to be able to speak to you today. Here I'll start with Isaiah 40, 18 to 20. Read with me. To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness compare with him? An idol? A workman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold, and casts for it silver chains. As a gift, one chooses mulberry wood, wood that will not rot, then seeks out a skilled artisan to set up an image that will not topple. Let's pray. Gracious and almighty God, thank you for your power and love. Help us out of our hopelessness to discover your true nature and heal us from the ache of always comparing ourselves to others. We long to seek you first, Lord. We long for your presence in our lives. Have mercy on us as we call out to you, even in times of deep hurt and despair. Amen. Isaiah begins his guidance on the dangers of comparisons with questions. He's asking these questions to get people to think instead of just giving them the answer. And through asking, he's showing those who have lost hope the nature of the one true God. It is in our nature to compare and rationalize our decisions by comparing what we have done to what others have done. How often do you find yourself saying, well, it's okay that I did this because someone did something a lot worse than me. Or this person says they're a Christian, but they do a lot of harmful things. I don't do those things, so clearly I'm better than them. Or even I must have faith in God because this person has faith in God and they're a lot worse than me. It's easy for us as humans to rationalize our actions, especially when we're running low on hope. When it feels like all hope is lost, it's a natural response to turn to tangible things to worship instead of God. Isaiah is reaching out to all those who feel hopeless and saying, stop, stop what you are doing. Stop rationalizing, stop comparing. This illustrates a truth that even though comparing ourselves to others feels good in the moment, it drags us into a deeper hole. Similarly, even though it feels good to idolize wealth when it benefits us, it takes us into a dark place apart from God. The nature to compare comes from there only being one. One that is the best. One winner. It's so frustrating when games end in a tie because we want to see who the winner is. If we have this winner-takes-all mindset, how can we worship anything that's not God? Surely in the human mind, there can only be one. And if you're prioritizing something that's not God, then you have not let God be in absolute control of your heart. Are we really using comparison as a means of justifying our actions? Are we really deciding that our welfare and our image are more important than our worship of God? Isaiah is asking these questions for us to stop. Stop what we are doing. Ask ourselves if what we are doing is right. And if the answer is no, then turning around and being different, especially in the midst of hopelessness. Believe it or not, comparison is an idol in and it of itself, if we make it one. 
We definitely turn comparison into an idol when we ask ourselves, how can I exalt myself in my mind and become better than other people? How can I put myself on a pedestal so I feel good? So whether it's comparing yourself to others, rationalizing your decisions, or pursuing things that aren't God, Isaiah is telling us to ask ourselves these questions. To whom will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? Are we really choosing to bring God down to our level just so that we can put earthly desires above him? By asking these questions, Isaiah is doing the opposite of rationalizing. He is putting God back in the place where he was before we took him down. He is exalting God and demonstrating that we should do the same. Can we rise above our situation? Can we stop comparing for a minute and look to the incomparable God who fills us and sustains us? Isaiah thinks we can, and I think we can too. Just because our human nature tells us to compare and rationalize, it doesn't mean we need to give in to that. In the face of trials, we need to rise up instead of sinking down in comparison because in the end, God is still the most powerful. He is still the king and all of the rationalizing in the world could never bring him down to our level. Thanks, Olivia. Let's pick up with verse 21. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in, who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows upon them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. The word of the Lord. What a remarkably image-rich text. This section of the passage is full of vivid imagery that illustrates the attributes of God and of his people. When reading this text, I was reminded of the book of Job when God speaks to Job from within a whirlwind in chapters 38 to 41. God challenges Job's fleeting morality mortality by describing the immaculate precision with which he laid the foundations of the earth. God ordained all things from the tightening of Orion's belt to the gift of wisdom given to the ibis. In the same way, the words within this text in Isaiah paint a picture of God's unparalleled grandeur. He alone is ruler, reigning on high above the circle of the earth. He is so great that the inhabitants of the earth appear as mere insects to him, swarms of grasshoppers going about their business day after day. The text goes on to explain that the most important people in our world are rulers and judges, our CEOs and superstars. They are nothing more than tiny sprouts growing up out of the soil of his earth, and they soon dry out and are blown away. What a unique description of the unmatched and enduring glory of our God. This section of Isaiah, chapters 40 to 55, is regarded by a majority of Old Testament scholars to be written within the perspective of the exile period of Israel's history. 
meaning that within the context of when it was written, the author of these chapters would have been addressing God's people who had been displaced from their normal lives and routines, trapped within the confines of the foreign nation of Babylon. The exile period was massively disruptive, forcing the Israelites to transform the way they lived their daily lives. This was a desperate situation for God's people. At first, it may seem disheartening to hear how God seems to be so huge and incomparable to us. He stretches out the night sky and carefully paints clouds across the heavens. He knows the exact number of hairs on your head and the total expanse of our oceans, our planet, and the totality of the observable universe cannot contain him. But just because God is incomparable doesn't mean that he is not approachable. The point of the author describing God in this way is not to alienate us from him, but to draw his people closer as we take comfort and find hope in the absolute control that God has over every single aspect of reality. God listens to the cries of his people. He judges our evil and longs to rescue us as we seek him. Over the food that is provided for you to sustain you each day, God is sovereign. Over the king that imprisoned and oppressed your people, God is sovereign. Over the fears and chaos that this world can bring, God is sovereign. God's incomparable nature gives us hope because he is in control. For all of us, removed from schools, workplaces, and large gatherings, we are living in the reality of our own kind of exile. While we may not be trapped in a foreign land, the endless days in our houses with the constant streams of news can quickly start to feel imprisoning. Like the Israelites so many years ago, we too can take comfort in the fact that God is sovereign over the health of our bodies and our economy, that he hears our cries as we lament and persevere onward through the ongoing turmoil that this pandemic has inflicted upon us. He is still in control. It may be a slow process to return to normal life. Even the Israelites returned to Judah in multiple waves over many years. But no matter how long it takes, we can trust that God is going to be with us every step of the way because when it comes to his strength and his capacity, there is no comparison. We could be disciplined in all we do, having perfect patience and exercising authority in our lives, yet we could never begin to approach the power of our creator God. Hear these words from Isaiah 40, 25 through 27. To whom then will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host and numbers them, calling them all by name, because he is great in strength, mighty in power, not one is missing. And why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? In this passage, Isaiah addresses the Israelites' fears in exile, that their God has forgotten them and that their way has been lost. 
Right now, it is easy to feel like our own way has been hidden from us. With canceled plans, changing regulations, and future uncertainties, it is hard to trust anything we see or hear and easy to fall into despair. Certainly, it is right to lament and doubt. These things can bring healing and point us to truth. But in the midst of our doubt and lament, we must not forget that he who made us has not left us. Our path has changed. His plan is unshaken. His work is not defined by our capabilities. His character does not change based on our circumstances. Yet so often we forget what we know to be true about God. In the book, Your God is Too Small, J.B. Phillips asked readers to recognize the ways in which they limit God, replacing the divine with unreal gods and human constructions. I've adapted a few of these characters for us to analyze today. So when we go throughout our day, do we think of God as our resident policeman, the little voice in our head telling us to choose between the demands of the cartoon angel and devil on our shoulders? Do we view God as the attentive parent, trying to love and care for their children across generational gaps? Do we see God as the big man upstairs, looking down on the world with passive indifference? Or the fairy godmother granting us a parking space or a short line at the grocery store? While there is truth within each of these characters, they are all fundamentally flawed. The policeman god of conscience cannot stir us to true love or adoration. The removed parent god cannot share the Lord's intimate knowledge of our hearts and minds. The big man upstairs cannot actively work and move in the world today. The fairy godmother cannot bring real change, healing, or hope. Isaiah warns us against making our God too small, but he also warns us against making ourselves too big. Isaiah tells the Israelites to lift up their eyes on high. Yet when they look into the sky, Isaiah asks them not to worship the stars, like the idolatrizers around them, but instead to seek the one who made them. He reminds us not to mistake the temporal for the divine. Quarantine for some has been a time of self-improvement, a time to finally master bread baking or become a runner or read our Bibles more. But while we can try to improve our situation, ourselves and even our spiritual lives, C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity reminds us that improvement is not redemption. God became man to turn creatures into sons and daughters, he says, not simply to produce better men and women of the old kind, but to produce a new kind of human. No matter how much better we get at baking or running or studying scripture, we cannot begin to approach the vast creativity care, and sovereignty of our Lord. In the midst of their wandering, Isaiah asks the Israelites to look up and see a God immeasurably greater than themselves. In the midst of our wandering, we are asked to do the same. When we lack strength to continue, he is great in strength. When we lack power to change our situation, he is mighty in power. To whom then will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? 
May we never make the mistake of limiting God's greatness or inflating our own. Instead, let us lift our eyes on high and see. We do not hope in something that withers over time. We do not hope in some human construction. Our hope is in the one who is, the one who will be, and the one who has been, sovereign Lord, since the beginning. Hear these words from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 to 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youth will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This entire passage, as we have seen today, is full of contrasts. On one hand, we want to compare. On the other hand, our God is big. On the other hand, we want to limit God. But on the other hand, our God is incomparable. Our God is incomparable. Would you repeat that with me? Our God is incomparable. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Let us ask ourselves in this time, what are the challenges we face in not only being reminded of the incomparable God, but actually trusting him in our daily decisions? It is far easier for us to say we believe in God than to actually trust in the one who created us and longs to give us strength for the journey. When we compare God to anybody or anything, when we limit God, we no longer trust God. There are great rewards for trusting our incomparable God. Isaiah gives us the best of lists. Let's look at it again. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. God does not come and go. He has always been and he always will be. He does not need recharged. He does not break and we don't go and get a new one. He's the everlasting God. And there is no part of this earth from the South Pole to the North Pole, from Madagascar to Taiwan to Canada to Portugal and points beyond. There's no part of this that he has not created. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Around where I live in this condo complex and out on the green area, I see children running all the time. They seem to have boundless energy. They seem to never get tired. God really never gets tired. He never gets faint or weary. He does not get weary of loving his people. He does not get faint from our lack of faith. He does not get weary of us trying to be him instead of like him. His understanding is unsearchable. We can't understand 
how he understands. Every once in a while, we realize how amazing our brain is. We will remember something or create something or imagine something or have an unbelievable dream and wonder how it happened. There's a widely spread myth out there that we're only using 10% of our brain. In reality, scientists have proven 100% of our brain is active, but yet we know it's never being fully used. We know because we forget and a whole lot more. We have human brains. God's understanding is perfect. He sees us and his world in a way we could never understand. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. And not only God does, does God not faint or grow weary, but he gives power to us who are faint and strength to the powerless. Do you feel faint right now? This new world is, is tiring for all of us in one way or another. You may be feeling it as an elementary or secondary teacher trying to l help people learn in a whole different way. You may be feeling it as an elementary or secondary student trying to learn from home and keep up the motivation to do that. You may be feeling it as a parent trying to encourage the children and the youth in your house to learn and to navigate this time. You may be feeling it in business with way too many virtual meetings. You may be feeling it as one who does not have a job at the moment. You may be feeling it as one who's staying at home alone. You may be feeling it as one of our senior adults who has had to depend on other people in a way you've not before. I could go on. We feel faint, but we also feel powerless. These days are uncertain and there's nothing we can do to change the mystery of what is ahead. We want to, and we hear far too many opinions which don't help. God will give strength to the powerless and those who have no voice. This is a whole sermon in itself. And finally, the writer says, even youth will faint and be weary and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. For those of us who are older and for all of us who will be older, uh, that's everybody who is watching and listening to this. The writer Isaiah reminds us even the energetic younger people will get tired. But those who wait on the Lord, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. The word wait only captures a little of the richer meaning. In the Hebrew, hope implies confident expectation and not just a passive resignation that something may happen. Do you have a confident expectation in the incomparable God, not only through this pandemic, but for all the days ahead, filled with great happiness as well as the big challenges? If not, in whom or what are you going to hope? Our God is big. 
He is not limited. Our God is incomparable. Let's be confident in our expectation of his great and his mighty works in these days and the days to come. And let's walk together. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.